0: burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease
1: you know you've got a comeback in you when you take the next step you're going to make it count for your career for your family for your life
3: part of why we procrastinate is because we're afraid to do the hard stuff and it's the hard stuff that actually moves the needle in our lives no matter what we do no matter what our background is or whether we have a high-powered career or not
4: Welcome to The Road to Somewhere, where we talk about exploration, adventure, major life change, and transformation. It's all about not necessarily knowing where we're going, but having faith that the journey
5: will be worthwhile. I'm Lisa Oz. And I am Jill Herzig. And I think, you know, one of the things we talk about when we're here is how to find direction, which way should we go? When all the cards are thrown up in the air, what do you do? And It's kind of interesting. I feel like a theme that's been emerging is about focusing, like really being able to focus to answer some of those questions. Has that been coming up for you a lot? Uh,
4: No. (laughs) (laughs) But I struggle with focus. So, I mean, that's really one of my big issues. So maybe that's why I'm missing Focusing on focus <laughs>
5: <laughs> well I, I I struggle with it too, but I feel like there are a lot of voices coming to us through this podcast saying, what you really need is just to take a minute and be able to focus. and um I don't know. I'm hoping today is going to well, get us I'm both there. I'm
4: pretty sure our guest today is going to help with that. Uh, she's a best-selling author, an entrepreneur, a business coach, and she has a new book out called You Can Have It All, Just Not at the Same Damn Time. <laughs> Romy Newstadt, thank you so much for being with us today.
3: I am absolutely thrilled
4: to be with you. So Jill brought up focus. Can you help us with focus? It's oh, something. Goodness. It's really
5: something I drew from from your book. And I, and now I think I'm hearing it everywhere because, because you're so focused on focus. Talk to us about it.
3: Absolutely. So that's one of the biggest problems, especially for women. We don't know where to focus and are trying to be everything and do everything, please everyone, look great while we're doing our endless to-do lists and, and trying to just do uh, these unrealistic expectations, it's keeping us from focusing on what's really important in our lives. And what's important in my life is totally different than what's important in your life. But if we're not stopping the madness of trying to do it all, we're never gonna get to what really matters in our lives. And they're gonna go by too fast and we'll never get to it what a shame that is. Is there a technique you have for determining what you should be focusing on and what is important to you versus me? Yes. and And I had to come to this because I was living a life that was running me instead of me running my life. Hmm. I found myself with a fast-growing career and two fast-growing kids and a marriage I wanted to nurture and a self I wanted to nurture and all these other responsibilities. And I didn't know what the hell to focus on because I was just trying to keep from drowning every day.
5: And how did that, what kind of impact did that have on
3: how you were feeling, how you were feeling physically and emotionally? So I was feeling completely exhausted and stressed. And I'm not going to lie. I was walking around a hell of a lot less patient and bitchy. And (laughs) I, and I, I felt like a failure because I had set up for myself this life of unrealistic expectations and there's no way I could hit it. And I, I had a breakdown. What, what, what happened? Tell us what happened. So I got to the point when everything should have been fantastic. I had all the things I thought I wanted in my life, all the boxes checked, uh, but I I didn't have time to enjoy it. And I I didn't have the energy to enjoy it. And I didn't have the peace of mind to be present in every moment. And I went to my husband, John, one day and said, I can't do this anymore. Hmm. I'm not enjoying my life and what a shame because I've worked so hard to build this. Can I just ask you, was he surprised? You know, he was not surprised. I'm, I'm very lucky that I'm married to an extremely attentive, in-tune guy who happens to be a doctor. And he, he was observing what was going on. Um, we have a very close relationship and he could see me drowning. And, and like with many folks, he, he tried to help. But until I got to the point where I said enough, it wasn't a damn thing he could say that was going to change things.
4: Right. What was the first thing you did to give yourself like a life preserver? What was the, how did you stop from drowning?
3: I, I ran away from home. What? Now, now that sounds a little <laughs> dramatic, but, but I said to John, I need a few days. I have got to hold myself off in a hotel room and figure this out. I need quiet. I need to be uninterrupted. And I have to find some solutions. I need to check in with me again. And again, I'm really grateful that he said, yes, go. And that was one of the greatest gifts I've ever given myself. So you, you checked yourself into a hotel, yeah? Yes. So <laughs> and, and please understand, I'm not saying that if, if any of your listeners find themselves in this situation (laughs) that they have to go check themselves in a hotel. But what did
4: you do in the hotel? It's not like you sat around and ordered room service all day and watched pay-per-view, I assume.
3: (laughs) That's what I do in a hotel. She emptied the (laughs) minibar. Not that there's anything wrong with that. but For this particular purpose, I was armed with um, my laptop and a bunch of books and a journal and focused on figuring out, okay, let's just get quiet and let's start exploring and i happened upon this this concept of the one word i don't know if you've heard about it but but this was 7 years ago and back then this one word craze at the beginning of a new year hadn't even gotten traction you know there were no wash or bracelets or you know cool segments on the today show but i really was captivated by this idea of establishing one word that could encapsulate everything you wanted for the coming year. And when I ran away from home, it was in December. And I loved this idea of being able to focus on this one concept. So sitting in that hotel room, I declared that my word for the coming year was going to be balance because I so desperately craved it. And, and that was an important first step. So then from there, it was clear to me that one word in and of itself and declaring it wasn't going to be the panacea that I needed. So I kept reading and I kept thinking and researching and I had such a huge epiphany. First of all, I was 42 years old and not once in my entire life had I ever stopped to figure out what my priorities were. And in fact, my entire adult life, I had been confusing priorities and goals. Mm. See, I thought every time I set a goal and I was a goal-oriented chick, always have been, that I was saying what's important in my life. But they're two very different things. And once I started learning the difference between the two, And right then and there, for the first time, declaring what my priorities were, it started to change everything. So do priorities replace goals or you have both, but they guide you differently? So you have both. And and this is so important and it rocked my world. So priorities are the things in our life right now, present day, that are non-negotiable to you. For example, for me a priority in my life that is non-negotiable is that I make healthy choices every day. And you say it in the present tense. Goals, however, are something in the future that you're working toward, that you haven't yet attained, but it's important enough to you to put your time and effort and energy toward it. Now, here's what's really important about the relationship of the two if your goals aren't serving your priorities, that's when you feel out of whack and scattered and overwhelmed. And even if you attain those goals, you're going to feel unfulfilled because you're not serving the things that you really want in life. And it dawned on me, I hadn't been doing that.
4: So when we come back, I would love it if you would share how we do get our goals to be in alignment with our priorities.
0: These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
1: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect.
4: Before the break, we'd started talking about getting our priorities in alignment or even becoming aware of the fact that priorities are not necessarily goals. And um, I was wondering if you could give us some specific Techniques, because this is hard. This, it's a confusing thing for a lot of us. We don't have, walk around with a mission statement like we're a corporation. So, what advice would you have for us if we're trying to get our
3: lives in alignment? It, it is hard. And frankly, I think that's one of the reasons why I had never done it before at 42. I, I don't think we take the time to actually sit quiet, quietly and think about what is important to us. Not what are the things that I think people are expecting me to do or the things I should be doing, but what is it that I want? And to recognize that it's not about achieving a certain something in the future. So if, if I can take you back to that hotel room, when I was sitting there and, and trying to get in touch again with what the hell I wanted my life to look like, I came up with two to three things that were completely non-negotiable for my life right then. And that's the question that you need to ask yourself. And I'm a big believer you can't do more than two or three big things at once. We're just, we're not Wonder Woman. So I asked myself, all right, what, what do I want my life to stand for? And first and foremost, I knew that I had to be a healthy human. So again, the priority of I make healthy choices every day, because I think all of us can agree if we are not taking the time for our physical and emotional and mental well-being, everything else is going to go to pot. And so that was the first one. Then the next priority that was super important to me were these most important people in my life. So, the non negotiable priority around them, again, said in the present tense, was I am an active participant in the lives of my husband and my children. And at that point, I wasn't feeling like I was. And then the third priority for me, because I was madly in love with my career and my fast growing business, was I help women design the lives they really want because that's what I'm able to do in my business. And so armed with those, those priorities, those non-negotiables, that was my first step in saying, okay, these are the things I'm going to focus on. And as I look ahead for the year and the goals I want to set, they have to serve those priorities and not anything else. I think a lot of people often get it the other way around. They
5: think, if this is my goal, then I must shift my priorities and deprioritize certain things in order to pursue it single-mindedly. That's just what it
3: takes. And, and even more than that, and this is what I did my entire life, was we're using the two terms synonymously. Hmm. These are my goals, so they must be my priorities. It's, it's, they thought, you know, I thought it was interchangeable but it's not. So how did your goals change then?
5: I mean, what goals, what goals did you push to the side and what goals did you push to the center because of this new sort of rearrangement, this new relationship of priorities driving goals, not the other way around.
3: So what was really fascinating about this is I recognized that I was setting too many goals and once I knew what my priorities were, it was very easy to say no to certain goals. For example, with regard to health um, and making healthy choices. I had had a long-standing goal of being a certain weight and a certain size. But when I recognized that my true priority was about making healthy choices, it was about the health. It wasn't about the size or the number on the scale. Then I was able to let go for the very first time that year of weight goals. Oh my gosh, I feel like I can hear
5: a thousand listeners (laughs) exhaling for the first time in decades out there. Right?
3: Yes. You know, it dawned on me. And again, I, Lisa, maybe you can relate, but I'm married to a doctor who is all about health, but I wasn't focusing on health and was BSing myself into thinking I was. Yeah, And so that was just a huge relief, absolute relief. With work, when I was really focused on helping women design the lives they really want, all the other things that I had set for goals that weren't serving that got redlined because that wasn't what was important to me. And I was doing them either because of the destructive comparison game or because of ego. And once I let go of that, I could set goals that were so focused on moving the needle for the women that I get to serve. And I was able to impact a lot more change with them.
4: What do you do when your uh, priorities, when you have priorities in different areas of your life and then the goals are in competition because time is finite it is a limited resource M- maybe you one of your goals is to serve women with the you know in the most effective and productive way possible and it entails being a CEO of a major corporation and because of that you're you are personal health or your family suffers, how do you, if you have priorities that are in different areas, how do you decide which, because you say you can have it all but not at the same time, how do you split up those goals and, and prioritize the priorities?
3: So I think we all, if we're being true to ourselves, we're going to find priorities that are in different areas, and they could seemingly be in conflict, but I figured out over the last seven years that they're not really in conflict and that we actually have time to serve our two to three priorities at any one time if we're not trying to do everything else. So what I had to learn to do and what I love to teach other women to do is relentlessly edit your life. So that's where the focus comes in. Yes. And and this, so the the important first step is figuring out what your priorities are and the goals that serve them. That gives you your roadmap to know, okay, I'm going to spend my time serving these things and I'm going to let go of everything else. But then we've got to get really clear on where we're spending our time. And too many of us have no idea where our time goes. And so I walked myself through uh, an exercise to do it. I do this every quarter. I teach other women to do it. And it is jaw-dropping when you finally realize where all your time is going and how much of it isn't serving the stuff that you say is important to you.
5: And my jumpy mind is constantly adding things to a mental to-do list, and none of them seem negotiable to me. But what you're saying is that I need to change my orientation toward that list and I need to change that list.
3: Well, a- absolutely. If if there's something on your to-do list that isn't serving one of your priorities or your goals, then you have to ask yourself why am I doing this? So there's there's this exercise that I do and I'm I'm happy to walk you through it and I think it I think it could really help you with that, figuring out, okay, which things do I let go Okay, of? bring it on. I'm ready. Okay, so over the next week, I want you to write down every single thing you do in your life and how long you spend doing it. So kind of and like I'm I, a lawyer billing hours, just go okay. out like at that chart. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean everything. Write down all of it. And it's kind of like an eating log, you know, when you're trying mm-hmm, to figure mm-hmm. out what you're sticking in your pie hole. But if you're not accurate or if you modify your behavior because you know you're tracking yourself, well, that's not going to help you. So you have to be honest. And then from there, you categorize every single thing that's on the list. So everything that's serving your priorities gets a P. Everything that's serving your goals gets a G. Everything that you must do gets an M. And the must do things are things like personal hygiene, <laughs> um, going to the bathroom. I said, you write down everything. Okay. I'm not kidding. Okay. Yep. And then you're going to have things on your, on your list that you do that you think you should be doing for various reasons. And that gets an S. And the things that you think you have to do they're expected of you and that gets an H. All right, so what I figured out for myself and what I've seen with thousands of other women, it's the shoulds and the hates, the H, the should and the hate. I'm sorry, I said have before, but it's, it's H for hate. Oh, the yes. Shoulds and, the shoulds and the hates, okay? That's where the time suck is coming that is diverting us from spending our time serving our priorities and goals. And so I bet if you did this, Jill, and that mental to-do list you're constantly adding, I would be so interested to know how many of those things are actually hates and shoulds. Because I know my life was full of them. Okay. And once you figure out, okay, within that, What things do I delegate and what things do I delete? That's when you find the time for the things you really want. When we come back,
4: we were going to talk more about those things that we really want. making time for the things we really want. And before we move into like making this really granular and applicable to everybody, just not super powerhouses like you, Rumi, but the average woman, I just want to add one more thing that probably doesn't come into Jill's timeline, but may come into a lot of people like myself, where we, there's another thing. It's not something we should or want or have to do. It's procrastination. It's doing stuff that you don't want to do and you just do to avoid doing other things. So you actually overcame procrastination. So if you could just help those of us who haven't figured it out yet, just really quickly.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. So part of why we procrastinate is because we're afraid to do the hard stuff. And it's the hard stuff that actually moves the needle in our lives, no matter what we do, no matter what our background is or whether we have a high-powered career or not. And by uh, getting rid of all of the things that aren't serving our priorities that we're declaring are important to us in life, if they're not on our to-do list in the first place, then we aren't going to procrastinate with them. They're not there to do it. I,
4: Instagram I
3: if, though, like people scroll through Instagram. I, that's not on your to-do list for anyone. Well, well, it's not. And, and what I found, and, and this was happening with myself, is that a lot of us are going through that endless scroll hole of social media mm-hmm. as a form of relaxation. It's, it's numbing, right? We know that biochemically, it gives us a shot of, of those good chemicals that, that just calm us down. But we're not actually getting the benefits we need from it. What we need to be doing instead is making the time for true healthy activities, like going for walks or doing yoga or taking the time to have just quiet breathing or meditation if you're into that. But we often say, well, I don't have the time for those things. Yet when you do that week-long intake of everywhere you're spending your time and how long you're taking it, you will see how much social media scrolling you're doing and see instead, wait a minute, I got 20 minutes here. I could go for a speed walk in the sunshine and clear my head. So, okay, so your book is called How
5: to Have It All, You Can Have It All just not at the same damn time. But when I was reading it, I kept feeling like what it what it was really telling me is having it all is not doing it all. Like we're 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 trying to do everything. Everything. I mean, one of the things you talked about in the book that really resonated with me, although my kids are older, is when you're the mom of younger kids. And I don't know if this falls in the dads so much, but particularly if you are the mom of, of younger kids, there's this whole second shift of work that you are kind of expected to do. And I used to put it on myself incredibly heavily. Like, I need to, you know, I need to show up and go on several class trips, and I need to be the person, I need to For some reason, I decided I needed to be class mom one year. Turned out to be the year that was like the most insane for me from a job perspective. Nearly blew my brains out from it. And also did a really bad job. I was a really terrible class mom. And, you know, I mean, I kind of loved that it's very permission-giving, your book. It, It really says you can't do all that stuff. You just can't. So say no to a lot of it and tell people, sorry, I just can't do it.
3: But that's so hard. It's hard to even get those words out. So I'm on a mission to give women permission (laughs) to stop doing it all. Because here's the thing. I'm living proof. You can have it all, whatever your all looks like. But you sure as hell can't have it if you're trying to do it all. Now, all those things that you listed, Jill, that I need, I need. What you're actually saying is I should. Well, oh, it was and, and all I,
5: should. I was shooting on myself as they, they
3: say. we were shoulding all over the place. And we as women need to stop it. Yes. But I, I think a lot of that comes from being insecure about what we really want in life. We are just immersed in comparing ourselves and this culture of insta-perfection isn't helping us at all, but we need to get really clear on who we are, who we're not, and what's important to us and learn to say no without apology, without fear of being judged. Uh, I have to be honest with you. I'm like you. I'm not the class mom. I Love the class moms. I love them. I have so much respect for them, and I love the women who do it because it is serving one of their priorities. It does not serve one of mine, and I recognize that I would do a half-assed job of it. And those kids and that teacher deserve someone who can really give it the attention that it that it warrants, and so. I had to learn how to say no to all those things, whether it's— And what did you do with the guilt? Because sometimes it's other women or other people who
5: will respond to your resistance by saying, Oh, come on. You, you, you can do it. Or, hmm, well, so-and-so, so-and-so managed to, you know, bring homemade, hom- homemade cake to the bake sale. People can be
3: spiky. They absolutely can. And, and actually I write about certain stories in, in my book that personally happen to me. What was a game changer for me was that once I got clear on what was important to me and I was going to stop living according to other people's notions of what I should be doing, once I got really comfortable and, and grounded in what my life was going to stand for, when I would get an eye roll or a snarky comment, I recognized like um, the, the book, The Four Agreements, the first agreement where it's, it's clear, it's not about you. I recognize this has nothing to do with me. Mm. That's their shtick. I'm really clear what I want. And instead of apologizing for it when declining an invitation or declining a a request to sit on a committee. I stopped saying, I'm really sorry, I can't. I started saying, I so appreciate you asking, but I'm not able to sit on that committee because I just don't have the time to give it the attention it deserves. But I know it's gonna be a huge success and I, I wish you all the best. So the things we're
4: talking about right now, I just have to examine a little bit in in that there there I hate this word so much, but there's a certain level of privilege to being a class mother. I mean, we, all three of us are in two parent two parent income. We're in two, a, a married couple. We have two incomes. We have. Um, we we have the ability to say no to things that aren't serving us. And I think a lot of people out there don't have that luxury. And they're in maybe doing two jobs and raising kids on their own. And their time is being taken by things that don't necessarily serve their life purpose because they're just – right now their purpose is just to feed their kids and get them, you know – educated and out the door. So for people who might be listening who are in a situation where they don't have the luxury of choice that the three of us have, how do you apply your priorities and goals to someone who's struggling like that?
3: Yeah, And there is no doubt that I get to live a life of privilege, as do you. But I have over the last decade worked with a number of women who are single mothers, who are in incredibly difficult financial positions and they are working so hard to get themselves and their kids out of a hole and they don't have the basic basic things that that I might take for granted but this same way of thinking and methodology and the tools and the tips that I teach can apply to anyone and what I've seen these women do is They are able to figure out what their time is worth and say no to things that, some little things that don't serve them. For example, I I worked with a woman who lost her home in in a divorce and was working a second business to try and keep them afloat. And she had this notion that one thing she had to do for her kids every night was to cook dinner. And she was putting that pressure on herself, yet she was working a day job and trying to grow a side business. And when I taught her how to think about what her time was worth and her, her ability to look in the grocery store and see that pre-washed vegetables cut up and pre-washed vegetables were in fact not an exorbitant amount, but actually just a couple dollars more. And that by doing that and assembling a meal, it was buying her a lot more time to invest in working her second business at night. That was just game-changing for her. And, and so these, these concepts can, can help women no matter where their means are at the time. And hopefully, and what I found is by adopting them piecemeal, I'm not saying you transform your life overnight and are able to do all of this, but if you shift your way of thinking, then as your circumstances change and improve, you're able to have more choices and make these kinds of decisions. And also not allow yourself to be ruled by fear fear-based decision-making and instead possibility-based decision-making.
4: I love that. Thank you so much. I definitely feel like possibility is going to be making some more decisions in my life.
5: I really appreciate you being here today.
3: Thank you so much. I loved it.
5: So you can check out Romy's book. You can have it all, just not at the same damn time. You can also connect with her at com. And at Romy Newstadt on Instagram. Thanks, everybody, for hanging with us. Until next time. The
4: Road to Somewhere is recorded in New York City. Make sure you share, subscribe, rate, and review us. And let us hear from you. Where are you on your journey? Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at podtosomewhere. Email us at road to Somewhere at iheartmedia.com. Special thanks to our producer, Alicia Haywood. Thanks for joining us on the Road to Somewhere, available on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: disease.